I don't know, 20 million. So like a 2 million insurance policy. Yeah, yeah, that that's pro- sounds that's pro- right. That's probably what Walt Disney had, right? You know, probably just a, <laughs> yeah. just a you couple know, mil, just- whatever. Walt Disney's like, give me the basic plan. Yeah. I'm not expecting to die anyway. My head's in a bucket under Disney World anyway. It's fine. I'm going to live. Okay, welcome back to the next episode of... Has there been a murder? Has there, Chris? Um, not in my world, absolutely not, but on the show, there has. Okay. <laughs> All right. Definitely there has, as always. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a show. So before we get started, what are you drinking tonight, Chris? I am drinking Full Grown Jack from Tup's Brewery. It is a pumpkin stout. Tis the season. Really on the pumpkin. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is that yes, I am. All the pumpkin beers. I am drinking a giant whiskey and Dr. Pete, um, which is pretty good, actually. So, And on top of that, we have a guest tonight, Chris. We do. We do. Our guest tonight is Sean Josephs. Hello, Sean. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. And um, I suppose you're drinking with us as well. What do you got? I am, and I'm drinking a little Glenlivet 12. Ooh, nice. Ooh, yeah, it just puts my Dr. Pete to shame. <laughs> Good old, I love Soda Stream. Can't can complain. Oh, it's the best. All right. Well, before we actually start going here, um, Sean, what's your relationship with Murder She Wrote? Have you have you ever watched the show before? So my relationship with Murder She Wrote is that uh, when I was in high school, like later in high school, my sister became obsessed with it. Like to the point where her Christmas presents were like getting her like seasons on VHS so that she could watch them because she was oh, that fantastic. into it. Yeah. Um, and I would always make fun of her as being an old lady because she would literally watch that <laughs> and, and, and knit. So I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> and, and knit. Yeah. I, yeah. And the, yeah. And like, uh, it was, Oh wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, could you possibly be any more of a 60 year old in like a 20 year old's body? Like, I mean, he's <laughs> got like, Benjamin Button disease or something. For real. So um, <laughs> I never took it seriously. I always thought it was like a fun, silly thing that she was into. And so uh, watching this episode was an absolute treat and brought me back to thinking about my sister. Like I have to call her and tell her about doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had always thought of it as like an old lady show too. And, you know, apparently my sister loves the show. She's watched it a lot. She shows it to her little kids and they're into it. They they know this show, which is weird to me, but yeah, it's it comes around, I guess. I mean, I watched the show growing up when I was, you know, it started when I was really young. I guess I've always been an old lady. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and get on with the show here. Chris, you want to go ahead and read the episode description? Yes. Let me bring it up. I assumed you had it open. So Let sorry. me bring it up on my <laughs> my internet computer with internet machine. Yes, on on my machine on the the website. This episode is called We're Off to Kill the Wizard. Jessica gets mixed up with a nasty scheme involving a theme park creator whilst visiting relatives. And Jessica seems to have a lot of relatives just everywhere. 
Because every episode is her visiting somebody new. Well, and I mean, apparently you, they never come back. You can't have you can't have all the murders in Cabot Cove because then there would be no one left. Yeah, <laughs> that's problematic. That's the, the series finale is just <laughs> just her the sitting in her of house. Cabot Cove. Yeah, just alone. She's like, I'm mayor now. <laughs> um, but this episode starts off. Um, we see that Jessica is out. Oh, actually, before we get to that, um, the episode starts off with um, a guy in a limo taking a phone call because, you know, technology, <laughs> 80s technology. One of them fancy and, car phones. You know, I've never seen a car phone. I mean, they're a thing, but I've never seen, I've never been in a car that had a car phone. Is that well, neither, foreign to you guys too? <laughs> neither have I. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly one of those people. Yeah, I, I wasn't um, ridiculously le- wealthy in the 80s or like, and also above the age of like 30, <laughs> where I would be in a limousine <laughs> yeah. that, that had a wired phone that was a cell phone in the back of a limo. <laughs> oh, Yes. Well, uh, in this car, in this limo, it's not just a, a car, it's a limo with a, cell, a car phone in it, um, a guy gets a call um, from a guy named Horatio, and he's telling him, hey, I need you to do something. I don't know what he's telling him, but he's, the, the end of it is just him saying, don't worry, I'll get Jessica Fletcher to do it, or I'll, I'll bring her to you, which sounds ominous. Dun, that's dun, how the show dun. is starting. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, oh no, Jessica's in trouble. Um, but we find Jessica. She is <laughs> out in the front lawn fixing a bike. Um, where <laughs> she's fixing little Joaquin Phoenix's bike. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> oh. Baby Joaquin. And apparently he fucked up his bike and uh Jessica's gotta fix it. Yeah, I was I was really impressed how she straight up was just fixing it like a boss, but also was super humble as to not be emasculating to her nephew or whoever they were staying with. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, but she says, you know what she says? Um, oh, I got one almost just like it yeah. back at home. Yeah, and I'm like, no, you don't. That's a goddamn yeah. huffy. Yeah, you have a ch- you, know? you have a child's bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, I bet she's got like her. Uh, Huffy at home with the pegs on the back, and she gives like Ethan a ride every so often. He's just like holding on her shoulders. Oh, I bet she street. gives him a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, no, or better yet, she's like on the dirt bike track doing like the hell track. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, she is. in her heart. <laughs> well, I mean, she's big into fitness. She does go for a jog. It seems like several times during this episode. Yeah, yeah, we've remarked on that too many <laughs> times. She is a very healthy old lady. For sure. Like probably healthier than I am. Oh yeah, she's in <laughs> much better shape than I am. <laughs> um, but we find out that these people are, it's her niece and her niece's husband and her kids. And that's who they are. Uh, while they're outside fixing this bike, the guy that was in the limo earlier, he pulls up and he's like, hey, I'm a representative of, Horrible Horatio. And he wants to meet you. And he invites them to... uh, There's like a new attraction at a theme park that Horrible Horatio runs. And the kids are crying because, you know, that's what kids do. And they're like, can we go check this out? And she's like, (laughs) okay, I'll stick around so we can go. But then the next scene is they go ahead and go to this theme park. And it's full-on Ren Faire. 
that's like that's <laughs> literally all I was thinking. I was like, there is nothing theme yeah. park about this. This looks like where it sure would fare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Of course, I love me a good Ren fair. Hell yeah! Uh, but we see uh, who Horatio is. He is James Coco, who you might notice from other old movies and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he's been around. <laughs> Um, but he is dressed like a monk or something, and he is being carted off to a a, a gallows pole. And he does this whole little show of like, oh, yeah, they're going to hang me. Who's going to save me? And then some guy shows up, and he's like, I'll save you. And he like swings on a rope, kn- knocks the uh, executioner over, and accidentally flips the switch to... Open the the trap door, which hor- horrible Horatio falls through, and everybody's like, "Oh no, he's dead!" Oh, but luckily, call an ambulance! Oh no, yeah. things yeah. went wrong, <laughs> yeah. and they pretend like it's this horrible accident. Yeah, like, it's not even like they're doing a bit; like they're pretending like he died. <laughs> which, oh which... yeah, I mean, they throw a noose around his neck. They are playing up the whole right, like, but they hey, all... we're just gonna but... hang this guy in front of a bunch of kids, right? But straight up break character and say, "Get an ambulance!" Like it sounded like it was one of the performers saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but after a couple of seconds, horrible Horatio shows up. He's standing up in the parapet, saying, "Hey, Terrica." <laughs> Uh, apparently it was just a, a dummy <laughs> that got hung or something. I don't I don't know the trick. They never went into it. A magician never tells his secrets. I know. <laughs> Can never reveal too much. Uh, but a- actually on this part, Jessica has to reassure the little girl. Like, oh, this is just make-believe little girl. <laughs> that guy. He didn't really die. Uh, but a- after this, uh, Jay Fletch... She goes to meet up with Horatio Baldwin at his office. And apparently the office is under the theme park because he's worried about predatory competitors, uh, which I didn't realize was a thing for theme parks. But apparently it is a ruthless business. Just ask Disney. <laughs> oh, yes. There's a, there's Disney Imagineers that are like also like spies. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. I bet. They're always oh, fighting that gang wars with Universal movie. Studios. Trying to get backstage so they can steal all the IP. So Because you can get in if it's above ground, but not if it's below ground. Oh, yeah. It's just a door upstairs. Yeah. Downstairs. It's, there's an elevator and all this other stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, I love it. It turned like upstairs is... No uh, people? <laughs> upstairs is a renaissance <laughs> fair. Downstairs Warlocks. is the NSA. Like, the level of security that they have to protect <laughs> their, like, fake castle is pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just throw some knights out there. They'll guard it. So while she's walking around with Horatio downstairs, um, this guy comes up, Niles, Niles, and he starts yelling about, like, the permits. They're, they have his name on it, and he's not going to be going down for safety violations. In front of a guest. And there's, <laughs> I mean, like, there's this like serious showdown. They're glaring at each other and making serious faces and uh, it's not going to be my fault. And Baldwin's all <laughs> yeah. like, no, I'll, I'll talk to you later. I'm busy. You've been busy for weeks. No, we'll <laughs> talk about this later. 
<laughs> yeah, but but he tells them he's yelling at this in front of a guest though. It's like, well, if you don't want this to get out, don't yell this whole thing in front of guests. Come on. Um, but anyway, he he walks off, and then Horatio says this weird, insane line. Oh, it has to be the one I'm thinking of. It's the worst. <laughs> It is the weirdest and craziest line. Uh, he says, permit me the seduction before you cry rape. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, man. It, I, like, I heard that, and I'm, that line, and I'm like, yeah, television used to be different. <laughs> like, Very different. It was so unsettling to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, then we are introduced to some comic relief. <laughs> but then uh, we see uh, some nerd sticks his head out of a door. And um, then it that ends. <laughs> we just see that. Um, but then we skip to uh, they are now in uh, Horatio Baldwin's office. And we're introduced to his secretary, Mrs. Bascom. But she's in there in the office. And Jay Fletch sees some of her books on her on her desk uh the book is the dirge for a dead dachshund which i'm guessing is about teddy from previous episode so i'm guessing that all of her books are just based on the murders that she's been involved with is that which makes her super suspicious yeah i mean it's like she needs to murder people to write about it well, isn't that like an urban theory around all of that, where literally she is the one who does all the murders so that she can write her books? I mean, yeah. The yeah. the more we get into the show, the more suspicious she seems. <laughs> she's just like, oh, this is great fodder for a new book. <laughs> Go ahead and murder each other. I'm down. <laughs> uh, so then we, after this, uh, we are introduced to the nerd, who is Arnold. Uh, he goes to see one of the other employees named Phil, who looks like he's just like an architect and he's designing attractions. They, they didn't really say what he was. Um, but they both mentioned that, hey, they were both promised vice presidencies with the company, whatever this company is. And Arnold is like, I don't want to be caught up in more falsified documents. Everybody is just an open book. It's weird. It, yeah. None of these murders on this show should be hard to figure out because everybody just tells everybody everything. Oh yeah, like, they have I don't... to make every they have to make everyone look suspicious. You have, you know, you're int- first introduced to the asshole who, of course, gets murdered, who everybody hates, <laughs> so course. everyone's a suspect, and then everyone acts super sus, as the kids would say, because I'm totally <laughs> down with the kids. <laughs> The youths. That slang. So yeah, everyone has to be suspicious, so you don't know who the murderer really is until the end. Yeah, there's always a lot, gotta be a lot of red herrings. Yeah, and I mean, I do get that it's like you've got 48 minutes to get us through this, and it's also, uh, the amount of exposition is just <laughs> insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the writing is just yeah. whip fast. They just, they <laughs> don't yet, worry like, about taking a... <laughs> A moment to breathe. It's just like pop, 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 pop. <laughs> yeah, nothing is wasted. It's it's very efficient, mm. at least. <laughs> I mean, it, it, sometimes it's not that great, but it is efficient, at least. 
so yeah, so we've, you know, we've established that there's probably some money laundering going on. They've got shell corporations, blah, 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 embezzlement. Everyone knows about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's just an open secret, basically. <laughs> Uh, but back in Horatio Baldwin's office, he presents Jay Fletch with his idea. He wants her to license her likeness or some of her books to an attraction, which he's going to call Horatio Baldwin presents J.B. Fletcher's Mansion of Murder and Mayhem, which is kind of a long title. Uh, I think the Harry Potter universe is just called Pottermore. They didn't, they didn't really... This should have just been Fletchermore? Uh, <laughs> Fletchmore. Oh. Fletchville. I would I would much rather give my money yeah. to that than yeah. trash <laughs> oh, yeah. rolling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she immediately turns him down. She's like, no, this is some garbage you're doing. This is not what I do. And he's like, no, you know what? We're the same thing. You know what? You might tie it up pretty, but, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing here. No, but she, like, she turns him down with the most eloquent burn. I mean, she's just, she's very classy in her horrific put downs. And I love it. <laughs> her quips are always classy. And sometimes I got to think about them. I'm like, what does that mean? But okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's very cerebral. <laughs> yes. Um, but she turns him down and she gets up to leave and he's like, nah. Oh, he's he pushes a- He goes, he goes, I'm not used to being refused, which, you know, of course you hearken back to the- Yeah. Oh yeah. On the line. Yeah. <laughs> the line. And then she goes, well, they do say a new experience broadens the mind. <laughs> yeah. I love her. Oh, yeah, she is honestly like one of the most calm, cool, and collected savages with how she like accepts whatever's happening to her, like whatever, because I'm going to talk my way out of this or I know somebody who's going to get me, so I'm fine. I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, and we've noticed like in previous episodes, she will confront a murderer oh, yeah. alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, you know what? I'll figure it out when it happens. Uh, but in this instance, um, Mr. Baldwin pushes a... I don't know, it's like a weird statue with the tongue on his desk. Yeah. He pushes that and a lock flips on the door and she's like trapped in there. And he tells her, hey, you don't want me as an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he lets her out <laughs> because she's like, you know what? People know I'm here. It doesn't matter. I got yeah. my my or... niece's husband works for the cops and blah, blah. Yeah. But I mean, he's like he's like a child. And she basically tells him that she's like, you know, I had a student like you that threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> like, don't don't <laughs> yeah. mess with me, man. Yeah, just give me a second so I can talk down to you. But after she leaves, uh, he calls up a guy, <laughs> Mickey, to use his special brand of research to turn her around. Because he thinks that he can dig up dirt on, like, the most perfect person out there. You never know. I don't know. She's got secrets. I mean, is she seeing yes, Ethan? But I don't you know. know, I mean, you know that she is great at covering that up. Nobody is ever gonna find that infor- <laughs> that information. <laughs> You're right. If she did murder, you'd never know it. 
She's great at covering her tracks. That's why she gets involved with all these police (laughs) investigations. Right. She knows all the ways that she would have covered it up, but she can always go one step further that she doesn't talk about because she knows how to keep secrets like a good murderer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. You don't tell everybody about it. Secrets. Uh, So the next scene is uh, we catch a security guard from the theme park. He's just walking around and he hears a gunshot. So he runs up to the office, but the door is locked. The secretary is gone. And uh, he calls up Mr. Carlson, who was the Phil, Phil Carlson, who was the architect looking dude earlier. Uh, He calls him and says, hey, uh, I heard this gunshot. What should I do? And he tells him, you know what, just knock the door down, get an axe, knock it down, and just do what you need to do and figure out what's going on. So uh, the two security guards by then, um, they grab the axe, knock a hole in the door, and get inside, and they find uh, Mr. Baldwin dead. Dun, dun, dun. And shortly after that, Mr. Carlson shows up, and he's like, ah, ugh. Oh, no. What happened, guys? <laughs> well, this is fucked up. I mean, like, do these tra- do these security guards not get any training that they have to call, like, the science guy or whatever he yeah, is? Like, call, <laughs> like, yeah, like, let, let me call the what architect. What do we do? The protocol. Yeah, Something's yeah. wrong. What should we do the thing? What... <laughs> That was very bizarre, and the fact that they were like break down the door, and there just happened to be an axe right there out outside. It's almost just like, well, guys, listen, I'm I'm not going to tell anybody about this lock that I have on the inside, but just in case somebody does need to get in, I'll make sure there's an <laughs> axe outside for you. There's going to be some readily available axe. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> you know what? I'm actually kind of wondering. I don't think I've ever seen an axe like in my building. Is that still a thing? People. I don't know, but I mean, maybe if you like drive limousines and have, you know, (laughs) you have have cell phones in your limo, you also have access in your buildings. He just has it like that. True. Uh, So um, back at uh, Jay Fletch's niece's house, um, she's making burgers for everybody. And she asks uh, the husband, who we find out later, eventually we find out this guy's name. His name is Bert. (laughs) She asks him if he wants another hamburger. Which, to me, I max had at one hamburger. I don't know how many hamburgers you guys take to fill up, but mine's one. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, unless um, he's a growing boy, though. So, I mean, <laughs> you know. You know, we got to build up Joaquin Phoenix. You know, he's going to bulk up someday. <laughs> we need him to play... Uh... Joker? Yeah, well, the Joker. <laughs> so, after this, we find out that Bert is a detective. And he gets a call from, he gets a call that, I guess, from the police department <laughs> that Mr. Baldwin was dead. And his captain wants to talk to Jessica because apparently. Because of course he does. She's Jay Fletch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. All, all the cops know now that if you've got a murder, you know who to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you wrap up a murder. Can you imagine that, though? It's like <laughs> you have the police calling a detective to talk to a mystery writer. What? You know what? That's like half of the shows on TV t- today. It's like <laughs> the cops can't figure out the murder. We've got a writer or a mentalist or some <laughs> random guy off the street that's like, 
totally much better than all of these seasoned detectives. For sure. I mean, yeah. The, the the entirety of the Castle series was that he was a mystery writer, yeah. but he was <sighs> Forgot about that. on the police force. That I mean, I guess there's a tradition for it now. Oh my god. Because they couldn't um, solve a murder without him. <laughs> and his yeah. sexy antics. Oh. Uh, yeah, we need a will they, won't they. How are we going to do this? All right. Yeah, I mean, we already know what's going on with her and Ethan, so there's <laughs> there's no, no tension yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, is that what the kids are calling it? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the, they also mentioned that they can't find the secretary. The secretary is missing. They don't know where she is. The next morning, uh, we catch the first of Jessica going for a jog because she's going to go for a jog because that's what she does because she's a fucking healthy ass lady. I mean, vacation should not interrupt your fitness routine. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> if you have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. There's nothing to interrupt. <laughs> it's like, do I want cookies or ice cream tonight? I don't know. <laughs> but she picks up the morning paper to see the top story, which is that the uh, secretary is missing and that Horatio is uh, dead. And she goes inside and she this is the weird another weird spot. She calls the airline and says, hey, you know what? I had a flight out this morning, but uh, I want to change it. My name's this. And they're like, okay, sure. There's like no security to it. They just do it. Yeah. Like, is it really that simple? Like, there's no, like, what's your number? What's, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we're talking like almost 40 years ago. So probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jessica Fletcher. Sure. Okay. We'll change everything. <laughs> do you, do you need us to give you your social security number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, back at the park, <laughs> we see uh, Phil Carlson. He's down in one of the the attractions with the maintenance guys, and they're trying to fix a giant head of Horatio Baldwin. He's got this giant head that talks, and it's like going really slow and just sounding creepy as fuck. Which you would think would be part of the ride. I mean, it was kind of cool being. Yeah, I know. Just leave that. Just you know, change time on stuff. Just make it sound creepy and yeah, leave it. Uh, but Jessica shows up and we find out that there's a phone in the wall which rings. And, of course. Uh, one, Nils. one of the guys says, Nils. excuse me, I programmed my phone to forward my calls here. I couldn't like, stop laughing like when he said that. Like you do in 1984. Yeah. And also, okay, uh, you know, like you tell I, anyone I, about. Actually, I want to I want to save this conversation to the end of the episode because <laughs> I got a lot to say about this. <laughs> but he says I fo I program my phone to forward my calls here. So Carlson's like, well, you know, aside from me, everybody wanted the murder Horatio, and it's it's like another one of those murder she wrote things where everybody just says, yeah, I wanted that guy dead. What of it? <laughs> because that's a thing. That you can say to a cop and be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Jessica, she... I guess she's going to leave anyway. I, I feel like I, they didn't really explain why she went back to the airport. But she goes to the airport and I, I assume she's... Her entire plan is like, well, I had an eventful weekend, but I'm going to go home now. 
But she gets to the airport, and the the gardener guy that was in the limo earlier, he's Who there. Who is totally he, not creepy at all. Not at all. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, totally normal guy. He's got a three-piece suit on like he just graduated from henchman school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this guy is like textbook henchman. You're right. <laughs> uh, but he's there. He, he flashes a gun at her, and he's like, hey... Uh, you need to come with me in an airport you know. <laughs> in an airport in front in- of in front of the employee and she says like <laughs> out loud she's like really a gun and like practically rolls her eyes that's what i mean she's just not phased by any of this shit by now <laughs> i think she thinks she's immortal like that is yeah. straight up like big she- fuck, like no given no fucks energy (laughs) how how do you know she is not some immortal god (sighs) yeah she doesn't seem worried about it it just seems more of an inconvenience to her (laughs) we we are gonna find out at the end of the like at the end of the series that she's either like loki or the doctor (laughs) no no she's she's the master she's she's got master energy (laughs) <laughs> she's been time traveling and yeah uh so they they take off with her they i guess this is at the same airport they take her to a private jet and in this private jet is horatio baldwin's wife who is we find out is an ex show girl <laughs> yes, the widow now and we find out that apparently she's got a lot of dead husbands <laughs> She has three others, this and is her now fourth. four. And so matter of fact about it, like, whatever. Yes. I know what people think of me. Anyway. <laughs> it's not suspicious at all. Yeah, yeah, yes, of course. Exactly. <laughs> of course I think you killed him. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing it up? <laughs> right? Um, but we also find out at this moment that, because she asked her, like, what, what's Gardner to you? Why is he helping you? And she kind of infers that, oh, well, I've, I've been banging this guy. <laughs> That's the draw. <laughs> well, and actually, I love the line that she says, would it surprise you if I told you I loved Horatio? Yes, it would. Then I won't say it. What? Who says things like that? <laughs> and then follows it up with, um, so my husband was celibate for the last year. I wasn't. And points to the like the, the henchman that she's been banging. And, and Jessica's just like, oh. Okay, I guess I'm just down with ethical non-monogamy or whatever y'all have going on <laughs> next. I, she, she has to draw a line somewhere. Uh, yeah, my husband's dead. I was fucking his henchman. What of it? Did you see the suit? He's well-dressed. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> he went Climb to henchman school and everything. He <laughs> graduated with honors. <laughs> uh, but we find out that she wants Jessica to prove that Horatio was murdered. She was fine with it, <laughs> but she just wants Jessica to prove that, hey, yeah, he was murdered because he had a life insurance policy worth $2 million that wouldn't pay out if it was suicide. And in my head, like, okay, this is another one of those things. Like, nowadays, 2 or $3 million for life insurance policy, that's basic. Not much. That's, that's yeah. where they start now if you were to buy one. That's, yeah. That's the basic but back then apparently millionaires that's their policy is a two million dollar policy i I don't know yeah i feel like with inflation nothing 
that would have to be mm-hmm. like tens of millions now or like a hundred million exactly. if you're somebody. A hundred I mean, million easy. This guy is an underground bunker underneath his like his <laughs> Renaissance Fair theme park. Like he is rolling in cash. That bunker was there because he was paranoid that people were going to steal the secrets. <laughs> Bunkers mean, are not cheap. I, I hear that. <laughs> but I mean, it means it either means that insurance underwriters um, were really bad at their jobs or the writers were really bad at their jobs and nobody did research and they were like, yeah, he was he was probably worth, you know, I don't know, 20 million. So like a two million insurance policy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sounds pro- right. That's probably what Walt Disney had, right? You know, probably, yeah. probably just a, yeah. just a couple know. mil, just- whatever. Walt Disney's like, give me the basic plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not expecting to die anyway. My head's in a bucket under Disney World anyway. It's fine. I'm going to live. Uh, but you know what? At this point, something weird happens. that I, I, I rewound it a couple of times because I was like, I don't get what happens here. Because apparently the plane takes off. Jessica buckles in. The plane takes off. And then Jessica shows back up at her niece's house in a cab. Like, where did the plane go? Someone was not in charge of continuity that day. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, there were, like, All right. between that and actually even in that conversation, and maybe you're right, I tried to listen to it a couple of times because I thought I kept missing something as to whether, because it made sense that she would have wanted it to be proved as a murder, but also there, yeah. this just seemed like an it, it also, the way that it was worded at one point sounded like it needed to be a suicide, like you need to prove the impossible. Like the whole middle part of that was just like, almost like we've got these lines for this woman. We've got a contract. She needs to do a bit role. So let's put her in here so that she can vamp it up as her, you know, her, uh, her character. And then let's just move the plot along because it's literally that felt like a filler in the middle because it had nothing to do with the plot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they, they like barely mentioned her again. It's just, that's just kind of like dropped. Yeah. But in in any case, Jessica arrives back at her niece's house in a cab, and she gets there, and the secretary, Lori, Miss Bascom, she's there, and she tells her, hey, you know what? I killed Horatio, and then we go to a commercial. So, uh, Chris, at this point, who did you think the murderer was? Or did you (laughs) really even understand what was going on? I mean, they, like... They pushed really hard for several people looking seriously guilty. Um, I mean, I know they always do. They're like, it could be this person or it could be this person. But wait, what about this person? But I mean, there were like a lot of people who had some really good reasons to kill this asshole. From from the beginning, I was pretty sure it was that shady uh, scientist guy. I forget his name. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that was like embezzling money <laughs> yeah so uh sean who who did you have an idea of the, sa- the same yeah like the fact that he was the one who showed up and then when he dropped the whole like i know you're going to talk about it more at the end that like laundry list of how every it could have been everyone it's like you mean <laughs> yeah. you you mean it could have been you the way you're talking right now <laughs> I like I started playing around in my head. I was like, oh, man, it'd be dope if somehow they turned this all around and it actually was Mrs. Bascom. And this is the first case she gets wrong. And I was like, 
That's probably not going to happen, though. <laughs> oh, oh, no, you're right. I wonder if there is an episode that we'll get to where she is completely wrong. That would just be like upending the entire series if we if that happens. Uh-huh. Right. That's like. The, but, you know, it's like they they think she's wrong. And then in the last five minutes of the show, it turns out that she was actually right. <laughs> oh, for sure. Because, be, be because the where cops they're... are incompetent, that's why yeah. they have to go to her to solve their cases. Or it'll be an episode where like, they arrest her because they're so sure it's her. And then like mm-hmm. last second, she's like, well, but did you check this drawer? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there it is. Fletcher <laughs> did it again. Well, there was one episode where they did, they've arrested her twice, I think. And she was never scared. Seen so far, at least. <laughs> yeah. She's been in jail a couple of times. This this lady has a rap sheet. Because, <laughs> I mean, she's super suspicious, <laughs> and she happens to be everywhere that murders occur. She is always associated with a murderer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that causation correlation graph, like, I'd really mm. like to see that kind of like, you know, it's like the, the graph of, like, fuck around, find out. It's like murder, Miss Fletcher, and they're always the same. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I thought it was like the one, the Swedish guy that like yelled at Baldwin in the hallway earlier. I, I, I really didn't have anything that really pointed it that way, but I knew it had to be somebody. <laughs> so that's, I was like, yeah, this guy, he's got a beard. He looks suspicious. <laughs> I mean, they made a good job of making him look suspicious because he was in more than one scene mm-hmm. where he was like, oh, let me take this private phone call that I won't tell yes, you what's the, going on. That I've had forwarded to me here because I'm so important. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back at uh, Denise's house um, with the secretary, Mrs. Bascom, she reveals that, hey, Baldwin had threatened her that night. And she got scared. Apparently he was blackmailing her with something. Uh the show never reveals what this blackmail was, but we'll get to that. Because she doesn't have to. I mean, Jessica's really gracious about it. She's like, yeah. was, was he blackmailing you? You you totally don't have to tell me, girl. But, um, you know, if you didn't <laughs> want to, I, I to- I'm totally here for you. <laughs> if you want, I mean, I'm going to back you no matter what, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah, and she was also, she was immediately, like, as soon as the um, secretary got brought up as a possible witness, just just like, well, it's not her. I can just tell you oh, that right yes. now. I mean, I signed a book for her, and I <laughs> gave her a wink. Can't be her. I mean, that means nothing, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> but they no, bonded, damn anything. it! So <laughs> they go back to the office to investigate some more, to look around some more. Um, but this time, they're looking for secret files, or a cubby is what she calls it. Uh, because previously, they had only looked for a, a secret exit. and But she's like, you didn't look for a cubby. Which There's got to be something cubby. secret in this room. <laughs> and he always uh, likes tricks. Mm, and gadgets. Tricks and gadgets. <laughs> but they find a, a Jessica, they reveal a temperature-controlled secret compartment in his desk. <laughs> because he's got some kind of weird thermometer on the top of his desk for no ass reason. But they, like, okay, my favorite part of that scene is when all she does is duck below the desk and the cops are all like, where'd she go? She disappeared like a oh, fucking yeah. infant yeah. playing peekaboo with someone. 
<laughs> where you put your hands over your eyes and go, oh, got your nose. She, where, yeah. Where'd she go? And she just pops up and is like, yeah, I was just behind the desk, guys. Like, yeah, I'm it's like, still, you, I'm still here. You know how just like in general, how like you grow up and you learn new skills, like reversality as a concept is something you should learn under the age of two. I'll come back. I promise. <laughs> But we find out that this they find a, they find this little compartment in the desk, and they find out that it's empty. And so Jessica um, J. Fletch immediately deduces deduce she deduces <laughs> that Baldwin must have had an accomplice because why not? Because that that's the only thing that explains anything is that he had an accomplice somewhere. <laughs> so so then we cut to the nerd guy Arnold. He is at the airport. He's about to make a break for it because he's going to Mexico. But apparently he's on some kind of no-fly list. <laughs> the no-fly and... list of the 80s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not carrying list. a gun in the in the airport. That won't catch you on it. But if you oh, look no. suspicious, I guess. <laughs> Long before the Patriot Act, all you had to do was call the airport and give him a name. Yeah, say, don't let him on. Okay, you got it. Uh, but the uh, the lady at the desk, she pushes a button for security to come, and he sees the security guys coming out, and he goes running <laughs> out into the parking lot, and he trips and drops his briefcase, which is flush with cash. And humans being humans... The Everyone immediately episode, goes yes. to steal his money in front of him and the security guys. It was like a bunch of catfish. Like when you see those <laughs> yeah. catfish being fed and they all like pile on top of each other. For real. <laughs> Savages. Uh, but we find out that it was $110,000 in cash. And I'm assuming it was all in ones because <laughs> I've seen things where just like, you know what? A million dollars in cash doesn't really look like that much. It's it's just like a stack <laughs> if you do it like in thousands. Yeah, it's like ten. It's like ten stacks in a like a solid in a like a steel briefcase. It takes up like no space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if it, if it's if it's a big briefcase full, it's just a bunch of ones. It's like you know what? I'm about to have a good night at the strip club. Well, I mean, yeah, I was yeah say, exactly. <laughs> what else are you going to throw bands at the, the strip club? <laughs> You're not going to give Make them like hundred dollar bills. <laughs> Uh, you know, unless unless you're some rich guy with a wired cellular telephone in your limousine. That's true. You could be balling and go to the strip club with five dollar bills. Yeah. Or you're the uh, <laughs> ex-wife show or showgirl ex-wife of like four dead husbands and catching like two million dollar paychecks off their uh, life insurance. You go out and throw bands like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> five dollars, mister. Why, yes, I am a millionaire. <laughs> I, I there's, there's more for you. Let me swipe my card. Um, But he says, hey, you know what? I got a phone call from a man that said, hey, you know what? The police have my have the files. I don't know what that means. But he ran. He panicked and ran. And he was like, you know, what? I just need to get to Mexico, apparently. So he received a mysterious phone call. As did the airport and the police and probably everyone else. What I'd like to know is that with like, it seems like everybody's getting call forwarding everywhere. Apparently there's no call tracing. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about, I, guys, I, I want to talk about this, but I want to wait till the end. <laughs> okay, I'll stop with anything phone related. <laughs> okay. 
Hold my calls. Um, Hold my calls. (laughs) Um, But he says, you know what? I'm worried about my little cat. (laughs) Which is totally something I would say. He's like, can I... Can I go now? Like the guy's like, oh, we've got you on all these charges, and he's like, can I? Can I go? I have to take care of my cat. My little cat. That's, that's not, something I would say. It's a little cat. I gotta, I gotta go take care of my cat. Please I got let a me go. Cat. And the cops just like, yeah, sure. But during the oh, you know what? During the questioning, they find out that Arnold somehow has all of uh, Mr. Baldwin's like blackmail files. And uh, one of them was the blackmail that they had on Carlson was Carlson ran off to Canada during. This is this is a weird wording to me. He says he ran off to Canada during the Vietnam crisis. I've always thought of the Vietnam war as a war. And it made me wonder, like, what did how how was like the world or at least the U.S. world in pop culture, how are they talking up about Vietnam at this time? Because it made me think of, like, in, like, Russia right now, with the Ukrainian war, they still kind of refer to it as a special military operation. Sure. So I mean, this I think one it was of those probably, things? Well, I think we refer to it as a conflict. I mean, it was, it was mm. either conflict or war. I've never heard crisis. I mean, there was the yeah. Cuban Missile Crisis, but that's the only time I've ever heard that as something, at least that I was taught. Yeah, I, I should have looked more of up, up that. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah where's your where's your history lookups on this one? Come on, crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have never heard it called the Vietnam Crisis. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is my other favorite scene <laughs> of this episode. Uh, we we skip to uh, Gardner's house, Gardner's condo apartment place. And he is hearing a cat. Yep. There's a there's a cat meowing a lot. And he's like, what? I don't have a cat. Why is there a cat? But just like me, I'd be like, where's where's the cat coming where's from? The cat? I have to find the cat. I got to go pet the cat. So he goes looking. He's like, I don't have a cat. Got to go find the cat. <laughs> but <laughs> exactly. And, and he goes out to his balcony he, go, he goes out to his balcony, and he picks up a cassette player that was meowing at him. He picks it up, and a goddamn ninja <laughs> pops out <laughs> and pushes him off the balcony. Uh-huh. Uh, pushes a very obvious dummy off the balcony. <laughs> I love that dummy fall. <laughs> yeah, you I don't mean, really... total real person. Yeah, yeah, humans don't. humans who are alive don't go dead weight from the moment they fall. They usually wait till they hit the ground. Like, uh, <laughs> if I'm falling off a building, you know what? I'm going to go like, I'm going to go plank. I'm just going to make it. I'm going to make it look as fake as I possibly can. I'm not, there's not going to be any like crying or flailing about. If just I'm immediately get to radical acceptance about what's happening. <laughs> just like, I'm going to at least make this look cool. <laughs> because someone is obviously going to be filming it these days. Clearly. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Don't help. Just film. Okay, well, actually, um, my favorite part about this is not the goddamn ninja. You know it should be. <laughs> but there's something more about this that I am even more intrigued by. And it was the fact that this guy made a cassette full of a bunch of cat meows. Because you, you don't know how long it's going to take for this guy to like come out onto the balcony to check out what it is. Yep. 
You know, so you can't just have like one meow. You need a whole tape full. And it's a cassette, so it's not as it's that a whole you can cassette. Just, you can't just put it on repeat. Like, I no. t- well, there are there are tape players that you will do have like that fancy Sony the, one. That yeah, has that'll like, like flip, it'll take you it'll take you to the back and then let you keep going. But yeah, but I mean, not well. Whatever. These people yeah. have money. I mean, where they these have, are rich people we're talking about. These so are rich maybe people. They do. <laughs> you know. Two million dollar life insurance policies, limos with phones in them. They got money like what? Three piece suits? Come on. Two million dollars. <laughs> but yeah, he had to put this tape out there, push play, let it play for a while before the guy got notices it and gets irritated by it to come out there and check it out. So if anybody that's ever been around a cat knows that a cat's not gonna do what you want a cat to do. So, in my head, I'm kind of caught up in the recording process of this cat. So, um, Sean, here, um, you play the cat, and okay. I'm going to be the guy. Okay. Like, okay. Hey, kitty. Okay. Uh, I'm in a lot of shit. You know this. I'm in a lot of shit right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'm, I, need, I need you to record you. I need to record you on this tape so I can plant... And I need I needed to play for this guy to like trick him. Okay, so so when I say go, you go, and I'm gonna record you on this tape. So go, cat, go. Okay, goddammit, cat, you shut up as soon as I stop talking. Okay, cat. Okay, you don't realize the gravity of the situation. I could go to jail if like I don't get this guy to like. Do this. So I want. I need to record you making meow sounds. Okay. So go ahead and go. God damn it, cat. Meow. I hate you. I hate you so much, cat. Because <laughs> the cat's never gonna do what you want a cat to do. It's a perfectly frustrating situation. Fucking nailed it. Because nice you one, need Chris. him to meow. Right, meow. <laughs> But he's not gonna. Uh, so anyway, next morning, back at the niece's house, we see that stupid Joaquin Phoenix just leaves his bike out on the street corner, which is, you wonder, like, why he got fucked up in the first place. Totally like, irresponsible child. Fuck that kid. I know. And he's just like, you know what? I got a rich, rich aunt Jay Fletch to, like, buy me a new bike. He's writing books. He's rolling in cash. <laughs> you know, dad's working hard, catching criminals. Mom's making inside, burgers, m- making shake and bake every night. <laughs> He's just out there mistreating his toys. Straight Didn't up rice every every night. <laughs> um, but the dad comes in and he's like, hey, you're sexy this time of morning. What <laughs> <laughs> like, the hell is that line. situation? <laughs> She's Starting all, you know, and in, involved in a murder investigation. And he's like, oh, <laughs> hey, sexy time. He's just trying to get it in when he can. The guy's a Mac. <laughs> Kids are out of town. Let's go to Bone Town. <laughs> Kids are out riding their bikes. God damn it, Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we find out that the dad, Bert, he says, you know, apparently the gardener guy had a fake last name. He found him dead. He had a fake no. name. Oh, no. Shady guy had a fake name. No. <laughs> no. 
Um, but apparently he had been trying to dig up stuff on Jay Fletch here, uh, which apparently was not successful because what's the dig up, I guess? I don't know. Because she's too good. <laughs> uh, and we find out that Jessica has gone back to the park to look around some more. Because of course she has. She's already insinuated herself in this investigation. Yeah, she's just allowed to roam around this park <laughs> wherever... You know, and they're just like, all right, yeah, go ahead. You have free I mean, reign. She's just place. like the security guy comes in and she's just sitting there and he's all like, eh. hey, and she's like, hey, they let me in. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Security's and, and not like, my the job. Bravado on, and the bravado on uh, who, who's the uh, the architect, like where Carlson, he, yeah. Carlson, where he knows he's the one who did it. And like, clearly he's the go to for when there's a problem, like. Hey, we think we heard a gunshot. Who should we, who should we call this guy? So, like, there's there's been a murder. Who should be the one directing traffic? Who can come <laughs> in and out of the park? This guy apparently, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm so sure no one can catch me. Come on in. I'll let the writer come in. Sure, cops too. Whatever. You're not going to do shit. But the writer, go ahead. I'll figure come and get out. me. Yeah. Well, back at the office, she's there talking on the phone, and that's when she has her eureka moment, where she finds because a certain now. Now she's an expert in telecommunications. <laughs> <laughs> she is an expert in so many things. And whatever it takes that week, she will figure it out. <laughs> but she flips the phone over and sees, hey, there's a circuit board under here. And if you've ever seen a phone, they've always had like the fake little... It's not a circuit board inside the phone. It was like the little piece for elevating it or reclining it at an angle. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you, In no, any case, yeah, like, gotta, yeah the, the bottom molded piece. You take of, the phone apart. To yeah, get you need to yeah. open the phone. Yeah, it's not yeah. exposed circuitry. <laughs> yeah, this is just the stand part at the bottom that she Correct, pops yes. off. But she yeah. finds a circuit board under there, and she's like, huh, there's fucking wires. She pokes at it, pulls it back, and um, then she goes and asks uh, the security guy about the extensions and, like, what happens if you call... The extensions. And the security guy's like, I don't know, you call and it tells you, you know, where it comes from. Oh, yeah, and actually, no, didn't that happen with the uh, with Bert when he, like, just had to remember what the number was to dial in? So it was like 555-1998. Yeah, five, yeah. five, five, nine, nine, and then, yes. like, then it's like, oh, well, the other one's only 555-1999. Five, 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 <laughs> nine, nine, nine. They're only one digit off. Eureka. Oh. Man, I noticed never every did it. <laughs> Every episode has that eureka moment where she's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> so she calls Carlson. Wait, Levi, what's it like? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she calls Carlson and tells him, hey, give me a call back. And she's like, hey, I think there's some secret microfilm hidden in the tunnel of horrors. So I want you to meet me there in like 40 minutes. And instead, he's just like, well, you know what? 40 minutes. Fuck that. I'm already here. I'll just go by myself and get this microphone. So he goes to the Tunnel of Horrors, which is where the giant head was of Horatio Baldwin. Opens it up and finds a little piece of film or something. And he's like, haha, I got it. And then Jessica surprises him. She's like, hey, what's up? And he mentions his call forwarding again. <laughs> so. Because he's fancy. Not even that. Okay, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and get into it now. 
<laughs> in my head, I think after this episode aired, because nowadays, you know, when you pick up your phone, you can block a phone number, you can forward your calls, you can, you see who's calling yeah, call you. Caller ID, yeah. Yeah, but back in the 80s, like, you know, caller ID, call forwarding, star 69, that was all like an extra charge that you had to pay for to use your phone. So wait, like, are you saying millionaires that, weren't going to use yeah, that? Are you are you saying that all of this was like uh, they were just being a shill for big telecom and showing? That's off what the, I'm saying. That's exactly oh, what I'm saying. There was a you commercial know AT and T had their hand in Whoa. that. At the end of this episode, I wonder if there was a commercial at the end. It's like, hey, AT and T, because was there like a surge that people are like. Huh, I want some call I want some call forwarding. Whoa. What if I, I get murdered? Yeah. <laughs> I need some call forwarding. So I feel like at the end of this episode there was probably a commercial for AT&T or Southwestern Bell or whoever your MCI group was was like, "Hey, we got phone. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it from us." I don't know. I don't know how it worked. It was it was something that my parents paid for. I don't know. That's hilarious. <laughs> Any case, Jessica surprises him and she's like, you know, she accuses, she just immediately accuses him of killing Baldwin. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what this is. Come on, lady. You couldn't possibly have me figured out, even though you totally do. And you have me backed into a corner right now. (laughs) But she says that he planted some files on the nerd. Arnold Megram, (laughs) who was at the airport. Um, But he apparently, he changed his own file in whatever was in there to make it less incriminating. So that's what pointed out to him as being guilty, was that his his file was, like, not severe. So it was like, huh, why would you worry about this if you weren't really worried about it? Everyone else was doing crimes, but I totally wasn't. (laughs) I was doing baby crimes. Yeah, I was going to Canada. to Canada and <laughs> to avoid the v- the, v- the Vietnam crisis. The draft, that's yeah, a, he's just avoiding the doing. draft. That's that's not a federal offense. <laughs> um, but she said, you know, there was some microfilm uh, there, and so that's what he went to look for. So he pulls out a gun because, of course, he's got a gun. Of course, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "That's all you people know." Still cool as a cucumber about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he shoots at her, but you know what? It's a mirror. It's a goddamn mirror. I was, it's a goddamn mirror. Whatever. And <laughs> immediately the cops are right behind him, and they're like, "Hey, we got you." Uh, and apparently the microfilm that he thought he was picking up was just pictures from her trip to Spain, because I don't know. I don't know what microfilm looks like. I don't know, maybe he didn't either. Apparently he didn't either. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He was just told what it looked like, so he just accepted it. It, I mean, it probably said Kodak on it. He's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, he knew knew exactly, for someone who, like, didn't know where it was, he knew exactly where to look. He was like, ah, ah, right there. (laughs) The power of suggestion in moments under stress is massively, like, you can make, you can almost make people do anything once they're in fear of something. Uh, so that's not terribly shocking because he could very easily after the fact second guess every moment. He's just like, 
yo, there's no way that that was microfilm. I know what that looks like. It wasn't that. <laughs> um, but uh, then we have Bert, who does the entire reveal. And he reveals that Carlson was in the room with Baldwin when he shot himself. Or did he shoot himself? Um, but Bert says that him and Carlson and Baldwin were f- physically fighting. And Carlson knocked Baldwin down. And he bopped his head and it killed him. And then he realizes, oh shit, I just killed this guy. And (laughs) so his conjecture is that he went to his office, grabbed a gun that he kept in his desk, came back. Like you do. Everybody's got a gun at work. (laughs) Just in case you gotta murder a motherfucker. Just like, I don't want to go to (laughs) this meeting. Just Yeah, I was going to keep this 38 special just in case. (laughs) (laughs) And on his way back, he he fucks with the secretary's phone. He uh, unscrews a light bulb. To show, to stop uh, the the light from coming up when the thing called. Fun, yeah. Uh, he goes in and um, he shoots Baldwin, and he sets him up back in his desk, and then uh, he calls security from Baldwin's office. He locks the door, and or uh, sorry, security comes in and they are like, "Hey, that's when they call him," and the call forwarding calls into Baldwin's office, which he picks up in there and says, hey, just knock it down. And apparently they couldn't hear him through the door. Not at all. That Yes, that confused me too. I was like, they can't hear him. Because he was practically screaming when he was talking to them. <laughs> but then he puts on his goddamn ninja suit and hides in the corner. <laughs> he goes into ninja mode. Hides behind a wardrobe or some shit in the corner. Oh, my God. The guards break the door down, and they're like, Oh, shit. Dude's dead. (laughs) Oh, shit, son. Dude's dead. And he's all, like, sneaking behind him. Like, nobody nobody can see me. (gasps) Guys, what happened? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The level of things in that scene that are just that don't make sense in terms of a wrap up are bonkers. <laughs> like the yes. fact that like if a gun is fired and I get that like now we just are all more accustomed to things that you would just look for or know about just in the sheer number of SVUs we've all watched. Right. So it's like if somebody I has mean, a gun and they existed shoot, in the 80s, I think it did, too. <laughs> and, you know, and it's like but if you shoot a gun. Uh, you're going to have that all over your hand. Like, they're going to be able to check residue. Like, if a person's head hits something and it kills them, their brain matter or their, like, whatever, like, part of, like, if their head hits something. Blunt hits force a marble, trauma. Yeah, blunt force trauma. There is going to be DNA there. Like, you, I mean, the guy didn't hit the room with, like, a whole bunch of Clorox. I mean. <laughs> well, at the airport. Uh, Bert and Lori drop her off to say goodbye. Um, but Jessica does thank the, she says, hey, thank your medical examiner. Because the medical examiner was the one that said, hey, this guy had a bop on the back of his head. Also, you know, on top of the, the gunshot wound. <laughs> By the and so way. that's what made her yeah. think. Yeah. Well, and also, I'm not sure if you can die by blunt force trauma without being able to very clearly see where it happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you fire a gun, like, they actually never said that, like, he shot himself. I don't remember that actually being said. They just said there was a gunshot. 
Like, did they think the blunt force was where the <laughs> bullet went through? Because those look like different things to me, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a medical examiner. But anyway, back at the airport, or we wrap up at the airport. Um, Bert and Lori Bascom are seeing her off. And Jessica tells her, hey, you know what? You need to write that book you've always wanted to write. Because why not? Live your dreams, girl. You do that. <laughs> and she hands her a check. She's like, you know what? Mr. Baldwin's wife gave me a check. <laughs> giving it to you. I've already, like, changed the name on it. I don't know. It, it, she like crossed now. out her name, wrote the wrote Lori. Real legit, real <laughs> legit. Totally does not work. It's not a thing that a that a bank's gonna accept. <laughs> um, this is this is the eighties. Of course, the banks are gonna accept that. I because mean, the airports nope. just accept you being like, "Hi, I'm Jessica. Change my flight." Yeah. Because nobody's done this at all. I mean, they just waited till that one person did just. Took until somebody, fu- yeah, until somebody fucked it up for the rest of us. <laughs> like, it used to be so easy. It'd just be like, yeah, I'll just say this is for them now. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> fine, whatever, man. It just You don't have to explain it to me. Just put an X on it and write your initials. No, no, it it's my me. check. See, look, there's that's where her name is crossed <laughs> out. Okay, man, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to explain your whole situation to me. Just give me the fucking check and I'll give her the I don't, money. I don't need your life story. Give me. Here's your money. Shut up. All right. <laughs> And she walks off while she's opening it. And she turns around and she waves. And by this point, she's opened the check and realized apparently it's a fuckload of money. Because she's like, what? And she hugs Bert, who's standing next to her. Like, oh, shit, they're at the airport with a whole shitload of money. Are they just going to, like, run off together? Like, is that a story that we're not seeing? I want to see a follow up with a like her at a, at a book signing for her new her new book series. Oh, you're right. I would love to see <laughs> that, that or maybe like maybe that's the uh, the next evolution of this show after you go through like all of the episodes, then you come back through and what you do is like web shorts of like what happens at the literal end of each episode and how it goes like <laughs> terribly south. <That> is, <laughs> everybody like, dies. <laughs> Just like Hobo and the Lady. Hobo and the Lady, yes. We gotta do Hobo and the Lady series. follow up. Oh my god. <laughs> mm. Um, but this is where we freeze and the episode ends. And apparently it's a happy ending except for the murderers. Yeah, you know. Except for people a bunch of people dying, some people going to jail, blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, listen, as long as the Ren Fair's still running, I mean, I think we all win. <laughs> yes. So, Sean, after watching this, what are your thoughts? How, how did you feel about this show? <laughs> after I not mean, paying attention uh, and not, you know. Do you I mean, have I mean, a newfound respect for your sister? That's what I meant. <laughs> that's, the, that, that's a good <laughs> question. So I think that I can absolutely appreciate this as a watch. Uh, I think for the reason that we've just shown, like because there are so many plot holes and so many characters named exposition and so many things that don't just don't quite match up. If this is what they are all like, oh, for sure, this is a show that I could binge watch. Like this just seems like so much fun. I am easily uh, I'm sure that there's a name for people who are rabid fans of Jessica Fletcher. Uh, Murderers. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't uh, know if you're fans. I mean, it's not rotors. It's got to be murderers. There's only huh. two words that you could build off of in that title. Uh, yeah. <laughs> murderers and rotors. Well, I mean, I feel like that's something that I'm going to put on you guys to like find out what right. that name is or create that name. I, okay. I Sadly, I can't come up with it right now, but I could be one of those just because it's like, I mean, I'm also, I'm just a huge Angela Lansbury fan that like, yeah. I mean, like bed knobs and broomsticks is something that I grew up on. Um, and uh, like her and everything that she did on the stage in um, uh, what was, oh, shoot. What was the big one that she did? Um, the oh, um, the one that Johnny or it got redone with Johnny Depp and um, the Fleet uh, Street. The, yes, the the uh, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, uh, yeah. Sweeney Todd. Um, so it's like I mean, there are things that she has done, and like, and also, I mean, obviously, what she's done, Beauty and the Beast, is uh, Mrs. Uh, Potts. Cobble Potts. Potts. Mrs. Potts. Mrs. Potts. I knew no, Potts. That's, Cobble... that's the penguin's Mrs. wife. That's the penguin. Ah, no, that's that's a separate thing. So, yeah. <laughs> the penguin's wife missing, is Mrs. I Potts. may be mixing references. <laughs> so, I mean, like, as just in general, as a person, she's somebody that I put up there along the lines of like a Julie Andrews, as somebody who is yeah. stage and yes. screen royalty. Um, National treasure. A treasure. Um, and so, yeah, this is absolutely something that I can get down with because like her nonchalance as a person, as Jessica Fletcher within each of these is a absolute beauty to watch. <laughs> yes. Yes. Come to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> the dark side of Angela Lansbury. <laughs> uh, so Sean, um, where else? Where else can people find you if people want? Uh, so people can uh, people can find me uh, right now on pretty much all the social medias under uh, consentences. So like consent sentences, consentences, and uh, I'm actually just about to relaunch the the podcast for that. But I've been putting out a whole bunch of uh, content on um, Instagram and TikTok uh, for short form stuff. But uh, the podcast's coming back, and that'll also be. Hopefully on YouTube too, so there will be video and audio available for it. Cool, 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 cool. All right, I'll put that on at the end in the notes as well. Um, Chris, is there anything else you want to add? So this episode came out on December 9th, nineteen eighty four, and the number one song that week was "You're Out of Touch, I'm Out of Time" uh. by Hall and Oates. Wait, who was that? It's in my head. Paul and Oates. Paul and Oates. Paul and Oates. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm not around. Out of my head when you're not around. <laughs> Wait, how does that go again? <laughs> That's this a great song, totally, though. Uh, <laughs> All of their, all of their songs stuff are is great. Okay, there we yes, go. <laughs> it is. It is. It is true. It is true. All right. Well, I want to thank our guests. Thank you, Chris, for being here and not murdering anyone. <laughs> of course. I am not that kind of person at all. Thank you, Levi. You're welcome. I'll never murder anyone ever. Of course not. Never, ever. Yes. Thank you, thank for you being Sean. Here with us. Yes. Thank you for being here and being our guest tonight. And um, it's been good. All right. Well, good night. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.